cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not, it's, oh, it's not heavy. Soft on time, so it's, it's heavy. Okay. And a very warm welcome to the Boss Inquiry Sunday Sermon Special. We've got another special guest. Well, she's back again. It's Gay Kellaway. Welcome, Gay. Hi, boys. How are you? Yep, very well. And obviously with myself and Gay tonight is John. Leng, my partner in crime from John Joe's Blogspot. Hello, John. Good good evening to you, sir. Evening, Al. Yes. And we've got an action-packed show for you today because obviously there's a lot of hot topics in the sport at the moment and namely a lot of litigation and cases flying around and gays wanting to get their teeth into these. So without further ado, let's start chatting away. Now, obviously, Gay, from your last appearance on the show, which we very much enjoyed and there's some good feedback on it, the Bryony Frost and Robert Dunn affair. Obviously, it's left a sour taste in your mind because I can remember you saying about your times in the in the weighing room, etc., etc. On the case so far, have you heard anything to alter your view on this? No, I still stand as I, what, what I see. I mean, I know Bryony, and she's not as I say. I'd be a lot more outspoken than Bryony would ever be. But what he did to her and said to her is the God's honest truth. And because I know Bryony, and she wouldn't just make. Why would you want to tell me this logically? Why would you want to come out publicly when you're a very successful jockey like Bryony is and make a scene? You wouldn't want to make a scene, would you? Unless it was bad. And I too would have done the same if I could in my time. Sadly, I couldn't because the stewards wanted me wiped out anyway. I remember a steward saying to a jockey, isn't it about time you wiped out that Kellaway? Had a senior steward say that to him at Leicester. So, So I had no legs to stand on. But now, in this day and age, decades and decades later, this shouldn't be happening. And they speak out and this, what goes on in the wearing room stays in the wearing room. It's the biggest load of bollocks I've ever heard. It should be transparent. And I think young jockeys and female jockeys, any jockey should be able to approach a steward and say, hey, I'm not going to be spoken to like that. I'm not going to, bu- and it's bullying. It is actual bullying. And this shouldn't happen. And I know, would I want to go and make a scene if I didn't think it was bad? I sure hell would have done if I could. And she can, she can be heard. But what I feel strongly about is that I don't think it was dealt very well from the beginning from the stewards at that race course that should have been picked up why on earth does a a guy that's looking after a fence can overhear this conversation when there was half a dozen jockeys in that race that heard the conversation as well how badly he spoke to her why didn't yeah. someone speak up to the poor girl and I know for a fact some jockeys go into the way you know because lady jockeys can go in the weighing room in my day we weren't I wasn't allowed to put even my toe in the weighing room oh no ladies don't go in well, fair enough Ladies don't go in the men's changing room, fine. But now in this day and age, they walk in and out like unisex, blah, blah, blah. So, and I know for a fact that some jockeys take the towel, say, have a bit of this. And I know that's happened before (laughs) with flat jockeys because I've had a recently a retired flat jockey, lady flat jockey, told me it does go on and there is bullying going on. So on earth this is allowed to go on and they turn a blind eye, these stewards at the race courses, it's a disgrace. They shouldn't turn a blind eye. And these people that are subject to doing this should be warned, cautioned, told to go away or fined heavily, you know, and, yeah. and this shouldn't go on. And I do believe what you're reading in the paper is the truth of what Bryony said. But why would Bryony yeah. want to make it up? She's a very successful jockey, more so than this gun guy. 
and and why would you want to make a scene unless it was true so but it was handled badly from the beginning it should be nipped in the bud that week what do you make of certain jockeys in the weighing room that aren't really very supportive of Brownie? why do you think that is gutless gutless yeah. uh, is there yeah. a man amongst them i ask myself there's a lot of jockeys that are this this should stay in the weighing room and this should be as private sort of, you know, like a bit like the, the same football changing rooms where it happens oh, in the sorry, changing rooms. A lot rooms, of sports, it's changed room. a lot. Look at cricket. Hello, let's have a look at yes, the Yorkshire yes. cricket team. I mean, that's in <laughs> turmoil. We've yeah, got they, to they, be transparent because what will happen in years to come, there'd be lawsuits because certain yeah. lady jockeys will go along the line and think about it and a lawyer will come up to them and say, hey, were you bullied? Were you incriminated? Were you sexually harassed? And if they say, yeah, I've got a great lawsuit here. Let's, and then it all be dragged up again. So I think we've is got it, to have some transparency here. Is it a case of also like ra- racing in general, just not moving forward in We're changing times? We're in the archives, time? aren't we, really? Yeah. We are in the archives. I mean, Jesus, when I was riding, I mean, the the old boys and the old girls, I mean, it was it was Lord this, Sir that, Lady so-and-so was the only woman in there. And she was, a, I mean, they're older than God. And, and they referred to this ancient history book and the rules, the rules, but they did not agree of a woman being there. Yeah. You know, I remember I've actually got the letter, actually a card I was sent by a woman a rider that worked in racing. She wasn't a jockey. She wrote to the PJA and said, you know, I'm looking, looking for a job in racing. Can you help me? And the letter came back. I've actually still got it. And the letter came back and said, um, it's not really a route, my dear, you want to go find something else to, 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 to work, to do a job with. It's not really for wow. women racing. Wow. <laughs> that was in my time, just I mean, before you, my time. It, that was in the, in, uh, in it, the 70s. In your time, Gay, when you were riding, would you have given Robbie Dunn a smack in the chops? Yeah. <laughs> straight, straightforward. I would have beat the shit out of him. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. No, I, I always stood my ground. I mean, it did actually smack a jockey in the face once. And... Um, I was a bit quite feisty, but I had a hard time. And a lot of people come back at me and says, oh, that gay Callaway's this and gay Callaway's that. She's hard, da, da, da. I had a hard time when I started riding. I was so alone. You know, mental health problems, they were out the window. There was times when I wanted to just, literally, when I was in a car one day, I just wanted to, I really did think about it, just open joy and just killing myself, because that's how bad I got it. But, you know, thank God I had a bit of a brain and I thought, no, don't let them beat you. Don't let them beat you down. I had a, a, a very hard trainer. My father was a hard man. He'd give me a hard time. I was getting a hard time in the weighing room. I even got a lift to the races, and the trainers that are training now gave me a hard time. Harassment was beyond belief. But that's t- times have changed now, and this should not be happening. And we should not be reading about this in our national newspapers. And I've got friends who are totally nothing to do with racing. And when they read this, how can I portray racing being a good sport and getting people to go racing when things like this are in the papers? It's a disgrace. And I'm embarrassed to speak to my friends over lunch about this. This shouldn't be happening in this day and age. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, let, let's say that uh, the BHA rule in favour of Brownie. What do you think will happen to Robbie Dunn? What do you think they'll do to him? I really don't care. Mm. I really don't care. I don't care. I don't care what they do to him. I just think he'd be, be told on uncertain terms and let it be a warning for others, other men that turn around and speak to someone and threatening their life. Because, hell, it's hard enough riding in races without being threatened. Put you through the wing, I'm going to kill you. Why would she make it up? Come on. Why would she make it up? A success, and she is very successful. She's got nothing to gain. 
she's only got hardship from her fellow jockeys and, and people giving her bullshit. The only thing yeah. she's going to get out of this. She's going to get no satisfaction. You think she goes to bed at night and not worry about this? Of course she goes about it. It's not very nice. I know what she's going through. It's not nice at all. And I, w- I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But it's something I'm glad she brought up. Why should she be bullied like that? And why she should be spoken to like nobody should be spoken to like that. No one. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a real sorry affair. And as the bar steward stance, we fully support Bryony in this because there is no, there's nothing really else to support. The evidence is clear. I think, like you said, Gay Bryony has made these allegations, which, like you said, why <laughs> would she even make this up? It just it's not possible. Other jockeys are trying to dismiss it as banter, as if they just want it all to go away under the carpet. But like you okay, say, okay, let me interrupt you here, yeah. right? Talk about banter, yeah. right? And I hold my hand up. I had a kid ride for me last winter, and I got done. I got fined £250 for, um, and it was during lockdown. There was no public there or anything at several race schools. And I give him a serious bollocking because he gave the horse a bad ride. He was on a favourite. It was Saturday night. It was cold. I was on my own. I led the horse up. I didn't really want to do that on a Saturday night. I got earache off the owner, and, the, and he gave it a, a £7 claim. And they, everybody's telling me how well good this kid is, and he rides brilliant. And he rode it shocking. He, he was in. He was. He was actually bullied by two jockeys in the race who were on the second. He was on the favourite, my horse, and he was bullied by these two jockeys. Who one of them he got a lift in the car with, so clearly he was telling him how to ride this race. So he was a bit weak, the kid, you know, mentally to to let them allow him. Anyway, he's got. I did one known to me. Apparently, he was in the stewards' room because the two jockeys in per, in, in question carved him up. Well, these two lovely jockeys put my name forward and, and, and went to the steward and said that gay Calloway's just given that poor kid a right bollocking, should have her in, blah, blah, blah. She spoke to him badly. So the steward had me in and I'm an honest person and I'm not going to deny. I said, yes, I gave him a, a bollocking that no other trainer out of the ordinary wouldn't have done what I did. Okay, I did. I hold my hand up and it was the same week as the business of Briny Frost and the same week when Paige Fuller and also, uh, no, not Briny Frost, it was Paige Fuller and the other lad had a go at each other. And they got fined. And it was the same with Gordon Elliott sat on that dead horse. Well, anyway, so I, that, of course, I was dragged in with that. I, I mean, how they can put a comparison with Gordon Elliott sitting on a dead horse and me giving a, a, a kid a bollocking. What I honestly said to him, I said, you give that a dot dot of a ride and go in and watch the replay because you should have won on this horse. And the winning jockey evidently said to the stewards that give him a, a ride. I was nowhere near the winning jockey. I didn't know uh, this jockey had, had said something to the stewards. Well, he wouldn't have heard it. And the other jockey who's got beef with me, who was actually harassing me because I wasn't giving him rides and he's, you know, he can't buy a ride now, was giving me jib. And he had obviously had a beef with me. So these two jockeys reported me to the stewards. Now, I went to the stewards, said, yeah, I'll hold my hand up. I gave the lad a bollocking. And the stewards were a bit embarrassed because it was really a silly thing. Like two jockeys dragging a trainer in uh, about a kid and the kid refused to come in and, and give evidence because he didn't want to get involved. Now, really, why well, should have turned around and said, I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm an honest person. I was I was honest. I held my hand up. But I and I said it. I held my hand up and I said the truth. And what I'm trying to come across here is that why doesn't he just admit that he was in the wrong, apologize forward? But we're not. He, he's denying everything, isn't he? More yeah. or less. Yeah. No, no. I mean, this is the BHA, though. The BHA will always go after the smaller trainer, operator, jockey, whatever. It they just do. seems the way the, way of the world now. They do. I feel that we're picked on, on in every angle. I've picked on by the handicappers, those in authority. I just think the small trainer gets a kick in 
everywhere. Well, that's again. I mean, imagine you um, imprisoned your daughter. What do you think the BHA would say to you, Sheikh Mohammed affair? It's horrendous. There's always double standards because obviously oh, Sheikh and that's trouble with racing. Yeah. Yeah. My father used to say, "God rest his soul." Always yeah. said there was double standards when it comes to horse racing. It's, and knowledge really would never get you. And knowledge would get you nowhere. It's not what you yeah. know; it's who you know. Unfortunately. Okay, we'll move on to our second litigation affair, where it's a rather more serious one in terms of penalties for Graham Gibbons. He's found guilty of dangerous riding, which caused the unfortunate injury of Freddie Tylicky. Now, there's a lot of goings and forwards in the court this week, and I've read some of the transcript. Where do you stand at the moment on this? It was common knowledge that Gibbons had a drinking problem, and it was common knowledge by the PJA and they all knew about it, and it was all brushed I, under the I, yeah, I heard that he'd been banned for drunk driving and jailed for drunk driving prior to this. That's what I heard. I mean, yeah, that I don't was know. four times, I believe, and it was common knowledge. So, yeah. why on earth was he allowed to ride racehorses? He was a danger to all, everyone. And even jockeys, fellow jockeys, knew that he'd been drinking that day. And he, on a regular basis, I remember embarrassed with an owner one day. We stayed overnight up at um, Musselboro after horse run. And this particular, Gibbons was with trainer and a couple other jockeys. And they, he was the loudest. He was the drunkest. And he was riding the next day. Why did they allow this? I thought they have drink uh, testings. And they should have a more regular basis of testing on these jockeys. You talk to other sportsmen. No other sportsman drinks and <laughs> kicks a football or drives a Formula One car. This only seems to be in racing. We're so cavalierish about about this and and it's really dangerous you're riding racehorses you wouldn't get well you're not meant to get in a car and drive are you drunk didn't somebody get done for taking a piss test on behalf of yeah, um, well, it, yeah but it, well it's it's all the it's all the camaraderie in the uh in the weighing room you know i'll scratch your back you scratch mine well it's all fallen back at them punch them in the face because if someone has stood up and said something poor freddie wouldn't be in a wheelchair now would he come on let's be honest Jim actually said in court this week that he could smell alcohol on uh, Gibbons's breath that night. Jim should have opened his trap on the night. Why wasn't he dragged in front of those stewards that night and banned from riding? What leaves a fairly toxic sort of taste to me, really, is the way these are all queuing up now to stick the shiver in Gibbons when they've had years to highlight this and and yet it's only it's only now when the whole house of cards is coming to see fit to speak up but why didn't they speak up that night in question that's exactly what i'm saying what what they said in the rain room stays in the rain which is bollocks these these jockeys want to grow a pair of bollocks and stand up and be heard. They really do. And they're riding. I don't want. I don't want someone who's been drinking riding my horse. How embarrassing in front of the owner. And they should be. They've got to start doing more tests. And it still yeah. goes on. You know, these jockeys get tests, and they're found to be. How many episodes have we had in the racing post this year from jockeys drinking or drug testing? Come on, it doesn't stop, does it? They should no. be. There be should be tougher, tougher fines. If I was running the BHA. I tell you, those jockeys, I'd have them. I'd go to that PJA and I said, listen, if any jockey is found with drug testing, drugs in their system or drinking any kind of form about, you know, uh, what level, they're banned for five years. They won't be able to ride for five years and make it tougher on them. Tough, tough. And go back to the real world and be a stable lad and realise, you know, how lucky they've got it when the lads are working so hard in this bloody awful weather this time of year and getting horses ready for those... Look, to get on our horses. 
and ride them in races. It's not fair. It's not unfair of the people that work and the trainers, the stable staff, the owners. They should be so much more professional. I'm not counting for all of them because there's jockeys out there that are really professional, really professional, and they do the job right and they train hard. I mean, you know, you only have to look at Holly Dole and Tom Marquand. They're an asset to, to our, our industry. So, you know, there are good jockeys out there, but there's, there's still a minority that playing the game are not doing the job properly. And they should be they should be wiped out. What, okay, what, I, you, what was, I thought was interesting, actually, was something that the QC representing Tarliki said. He said there'd been a breach in the standard of care required on Gibbon's part. Well, I was very surprised he didn't say there'd been a breach in the standard of care required on the BHA's part. Well... Yeah. Here's the thing. In a court of law, anybody with half a brain, you get a solicitor involved, a lawyer, I wouldn't be chasing Gibbons. I'd be chasing the people that are running the show. Exactly. Really, wouldn't you? Because at the end of the day, it's their responsibility, those stewards at that race course, to ensure the safety of those jockeys and everybody's behaving. Instead of running after me that hasn't got the right logo on its front of its shirt for sponsorship, they should be looking at these jockeys and making sure they're going out there proper conduct and play and playing a part of a proper sportsman so the only people that will be paying out here is the insurance company so therefore that's a real white elephant because what's going to happen here if Tiliki wins the case and the insurance company has to pay out this huge amount of money insurance companies won't touch jockeys no. and then it will lead on so forth to what was going to happen in formula one when lewis hamilton slightly goes across another driver are they going to sue him i don't know how personally how can you separate this? Can you say when a jockey at the race course goes across another jockey, that jockey behind just has to snatch up or his horse falls? I've seen some terrible falls over the years. And you can see plainly it was the other jockey's fault. He shouldn't have gone across the rail. So are you going to sue every jockey that carves you up? But yeah, my point here is this. That jockey wasn't fit to ride, bottom line. He was not fit to ride. And therefore, who are the, who are the people to blame? Of course, the jockey. But he was in no fit state to know what he's doing, for God's sake. He was drunk. So no, someone should have pulled him up. They must have known. The valets must have known. And people know. But it always tries to be, oh, don't get me on it. Because I just feel the people in charge at the race just weren't doing their jobs. And I can't blame the BHA because there's governing bodies. The chap's not in charge that Russ anymore. And there's different people in London. But they ensure the people at the race courses, the stewards at the race courses, to do a job. And clearly they didn't do their job. End of. Yeah, I mean, to, to bring jockeys in line with sort of other professional sports, what measures would you recommend be brought in? Exactly. I mean, to ensure that the, the clean of, of drugs and alcohol surely is a gimme before they, they sit on a horse to ride. But as we know, that's probably not going to be the case even now. I mean, I haven't got evidence of this, but... In terms of widespread use of, of obviously cocaine and in the world at the moment, are you in favour, Gay, of a lot stricter testing? Oh, jockeys? I am 100%. I don't want some jockey get mind you. The jockeys I use wouldn't do that anyway. We have a massive problem in racing, massive problem in the stable uh, staff. We have a massive shortage of staff in racing. Uh, trainers are employing staff that do take drugs or have alcohol problems, and therefore young people get involved, you know, get the young. You know, I've got a young lad just joined me, a lovely lad. Uh, he, he's on my property in one of my flats. He's an apprentice. And the previous trainer said to his father, oh, throw him to the lions going to Newmarket. What does he mean by that? He means that there's a massive drug problem in Newmarket, which we do have with young, the younger generation in racing. And this is what we have to iron out. And this is what the BHA have got to look at. It starts in the stables. 
because these young lads get involved in that. And I know it's everywhere and everybody says it's everywhere, you know, it's the younger generation, etc. But you cannot have this in sport. You know how strict they are in the Olympics, the tough tests they have to take. You're getting on horses. They're not running along in a straight line, in tram lines. They're running in a field amongst other people and putting other people's lives in danger. It's a dangerous sport, horse racing. It truly is. And yeah, I think I mean, you've got to have stricter measures when it comes to jockeys. They've got to be more professional. And you need to sit the damn guys down and say, listen, PJA meetings, bring all the jockeys, a whole lot of them in the whole the, the UK, don't have any racing one day and put them in a room. Say, like, listen, you guys and ladies, this is what's going to happen. If any of you are found guilty of alcohol or, or substance, you're out. No second chance. You're out. Yeah. You're out. Surely it's a, it's a case of installing machines at each race course that obviously measure breath and test for drugs like the police have. And Sadly, it's just, it was going to come to this, isn't it? What else? It, it's got do? to do. It's got to do. It has to do. Because if you get another repeat scenario, again, we've learned nothing. We've we've just we've just simply, like you said, want guys in a wheelchair. And if it happens again, I mean, what, happening once is is terrible, but happening twice would be just unforgivable if, if it was to happen again for someone that was under the influence that obviously bring, and obviously I'm assuming that uh, there's no evidence that, that Graham Gibbons was under the influence because that's, that's, that's just me surmising, but being highlighted elsewhere, Graham had a lot of problems with substances and, and alcohol and, and Jim Crowley's testified in court saying he smelt breath on, um, on Graham's breath. The, the thing for me is why didn't Jim Crowley just like go say to something to a senior yeah, steward, steward straight yeah. away? Like saying, yeah. John and that's how you Read it in the papers, isn't it? And that's because, how you read it in the papers. Yeah, there's no dobbing in, though, is there? I mean, Gear mentioned why didn't a valet pick up on it? Well, if you go back to the Barony Frost business, you had the uncle and nephew team of valets that were working at uh, Subble. Now, they described Dunn and Frost as a bit of banter. That's um, banter. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Gra- so if it was banter, why did why does Bryony want to put herself through all this? Exactly. And Grandpa. She wouldn't put herself. She's a successful jockey. She's yeah. loved by the public. Yeah. It's like Holly Doll putting herself through something like this. They wouldn't want to do it unless it was bad. Of course bad. not. And this Grandpa, this is how indoctrinated they are in this Wayne Room code. He, call, he calls it a family environment. So I suppose stop the done. Oh, it's a family environment when Alan Monroe smacked Jim Crowley across the face or one of those jockeys. I think you correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Jim Crowley? It was one of those jockeys when they had a big fight in there and they tried to keep yeah. that under wraps. Hmm. You know what I mean? Or Stuart Webster and Kieran Fallon up at, uh, where was it? it Beverly. Was, uh, Beverly. Beverly. And they stepped in there with Kieran and they reprimanded. But Kieran, Kieran did it with no doubtedly. He'd been carved up and, and quite rightly so. He's, he's nearly got killed and he sorted it out. He smacked him one, didn't he? But he oh, did yeah. it in front of everyone. So he did it in front of the other one and he got done for it, didn't he? So, but he did it. Fair duty, Kieran. He let out steam and let everybody see. You didn't sneakily do it behind scenes, did you? Behind the... No, you've got the rally saying the Wayne Room's a family environment. So, I mean, I I suppose Robbie Dunn waving his schlong at Bryony Frost, that's an akin (laughs) to an abusive uncle going at it or something, isn't it? You know, I mean, what the hell is that all about? He insisted... It wouldn't be that... Can I just say something? It wouldn't be the first jockey to do that to some of the girls. Hayley Turner's a really good... She's a good jockey. She rides for me. She's a good friend. And she just... She just wants everybody to be get on, and fair enough. There's a certain lady jockey I spoke to recently who's recently retired, 
said, you don't know half of gay what goes on. She'd be too frightened to speak up because she doesn't. She's a nice person and she's she doesn't want to rattle anybody's cages. She just goes along with her life. But at the end of the day, she told me some things that <laughs> it's just not true. It's not yeah. a family environment. She said you get bullied there. They give you stick. And I think this has got to be seriously looked at by the BHA. And I think the BHA must be looking at this because for allow this to this to slip through the net for them. It's something seriously they have to look at. Well, on that bombshell, I mean, there's a case I can tell you about. Well, I shouldn't be telling anyone about it, but really, it's this And I can't name names because that would be unfair. But there's a, there's a similar case that the BHA haven't let on yet that's going on behind the scenes. And it's, it's involving a jump jockeys where a male jump jockey whipped the towel off of a female jockey and went, way! <laughs> so that's basically behind the scenes at the moment what i find completely ironic is that i was not allowed to even breathe at the door in the men's changing room and they said women are not allowed in here fair enough we have the ladies lose i know there's unisex lose nowadays but then we had ladies lose and we have men's lose and you don't see serena williams going into andy murray's changing room or andy murray going into her changing room do you no don't think that's going to happen to you I mean, John, if I mean, this is a family environment, it's the Adams family, isn't it? The thing for me, I mean, it's like all these jockeys that are sort of defending this as banter and aren't coming out in support of Brian. How would they feel if it was their daughter? That That's is a very valid point. How would they feel if it was their daughter, their sister, yeah. their brother yeah. even? You know, who's to say yeah. lads aren't getting bullied, you know? Yeah. Young lads. It's, there's a lot for them to clear up, but I don't think the current crop of jockeys are helping the situation at all. I think it should be called out and they shouldn't be defending the mates or or trying to just brush this under the carpet as something else. So it's, it's completely it's bit... unprofessional. You go there. I used to turn up at the races. I didn't have a jockey as a friend. I didn't want them as my friends. As far as I'm concerned, they're, they're work colleagues and I ride against them. I don't want to form a friendship. I'll, I'll go out there to ride and win. It's all about winning in this game. Yeah, It's all about winning. And when you're a true sportsman, you think... You think Lewis Hampton goes out for a drink with the guy he's got to beat the next day? I don't think so, do you? No. I think Andy Murray has a... They all get on well enough, but they're not bosom pals, are they? No, there's, there's, there's few sort of... You know, there's, it's, it's, all, it's all professional, which is what it's supposed to be. It's got to be professional. Otherwise, you haven't got that... Kill, I hate to say the word killer instinct, but winning instinct. You, you've got to have that will to win. You, you can't be bosom pals with the, the opposition. You just go into it. You're there to do a job. These jockeys don't realise how much it costs us the owner, I'm an owner, okay, I'm speaking as an owner's point of view here, because I see my BHA account, and my Weatherby's account. I speak as an owner, it costs a lot of money to get my racehorse to the racecourse, okay? I'm paying trainers fees, which can amount to nearly two grand a month, and some of them more, if you're trained by uh, some bigger trainers. It's meant to be our enjoyment, and you're paying a guy over 130 quid to get on your horse for only for about five, five, ten minutes, if that. And there's no other job in the world that you work as a trainer, you work your backside off, and you put this other person to finish the job off that you don't work every day with. You know what I mean? Yeah. You put another human being to finish the job off for you. Okay. And basically, is it's finishing the job off. And you know, at all the will in the world, you've done your best as a trainer to get that horse fit, get that horse to the races. And you know what a lot of work goes to. Keep the owners happy. The owner wants this job. And you entrust that person, the jockey, whether it be female or male. I don't like saying male jockeys are female. I say jockey, I mean both genders. And yeah. you entrust that person to get on your horse 
and finish the job. And you're paying that person. Sometimes I think these jockeys think they don't get paid. They are getting paid very well to ride these horses. And they've got to be start acting and growing up and, and being professional. I'm not talking for all of them, I'm talking about a minority. I'm still talking about them. But they should all be professional. And there's even top ones there that were being very unprofessional this year, as we all know. There's a top jockey, a flat jockey there. They've got to step up their game. And we've got to be proud of our horse racing industry. And they're meant to be our, our leaders on this. And, and that's all I can say, that, you know, they've got to step up their game, these jockeys. I mean, the thing for me, the, the BHA can do so much, but like you said, it comes down to responsibility of exactly. of, of the fellow professionals as well. I mean, we, we all know the, the BHA are, are incompetent at the best of times. And speaking of which, a mutual friend of mine says you um, wrote a letter to the BHA recently, that Mrs. Julie Harrington, the new, the new head of the BHA, uh, regarding the environment. Okay, is this true? Well, that's, I'm on, as you know, I'm on the, the board for the ROA and yeah. did make a point of like, what are we in racing doing for our environment? And I'm a great believer. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I recycle and I don't do my bit. I'm a great believer. I'm, I'm organic, I eat organic foods. I'm, I'm basically a planterian. You know, I, I, I like the planet. I love my planet. And, and I look to the future generation in years to come, five to, you know, our great grandkids. Is there going to be a, a planet here? Is there going to be any horse racing here? There's going to be nothing. Yeah we'll be wiped out because we're killing the planet, as we all know, around the globe. And a lot of people don't care because they won't be here. So, but I actually care about our planet. And I think we should be actually doing something for it. Now in France, I hate to bang on about France because I keep doing that to you, don't I? (laughs) They they have a, see, I've seen with my own eyes, I went to Newcastle one day and I was racing up there and a lot of horse boxes turn up and a lot of horse boxes from the same areas turn up. Yeah. And they're all taking one horse here and one horse there. And there'd be about 30 boxes from with one horse in it from the same area, which I can't comprehend in my head. It, whereas in France, what they do is they give each owner 3,000 euros towards their expenses of traveling expenses. So therefore, encourage them. They have a system where they use SDH, which is French company, horse box company, uh, or the other company, where they go around picking up half a dozen horses so you've got six horses on one lorry not like when yeah. i was up at newcastle when they had one horse on a seven horse box godolphin then they brought a minibus with their lads on and then the assistant trainer come in the other car is that environment friendly no so why can't we put a system in place and this is the letter i wrote so what is similar to what i'm saying to you why can't we put in place a system where we have the option some sort of system what we offer it to our owners and it's it's you know, our owners don't get a great a lot out of this race. So the prize money is shocking. But can we put some sort of funds towards towards this system? And if you join that as an owner, therefore you're you're cutting your costs, and therefore your your horses. Yeah, be it there, there'd be six. Back in the day, years ago, when I worked for my dad as an apprentice, I we used to go around the town picking up one of my Pistouts, one of Ben Hambridge, uh, going up to Musselboro somewhere. There'd be six different stables on one lorry. To me, that is environment friendly. And they did it to keep the cost down. But nobody seems to care anymore. There'd be a lorry. You go to Wolverhampton, you can't even get the, the, the horse box part. And there'd be like 30, 40 horse boxes from Newmarket and, and a load from Lambourne, from Midland. Why can't we share? And don't go on about viruses because they're quite happy to share when they go abroad. <laughs> I was just about to bring... Don't I was go on about to... viruses because they're quite happy to share when horses go abroad to Baden-Baden and France and places. Oh, yeah, they're quite happy to share because that keeps the cost down. 
why can't we have the, and as for viruses, you know, you shouldn't be running a horse if you think the horse is sick, should you? Let's face it. And they do, yeah. again, stand up, sell at each other in the stores and they're at the risk. I can go bang on about this all night what, what, when the horse is. I would be quite happy if it saves my owner's money, saves me money to share. And it'd be do, do it through companies, transport companies. Therefore, you benefit transport companies who are probably struggling at this time of COVID and also benefit the owners. And also, most of all, primarily, it will benefit the planet, would it not? And it, we're doing our bit to help the environment. That's all my suggestion. That's all I put to it. It's really and, good. And I, I mean, I mean in, indeed. I haven't had a reply yet. No reply from the BHA. Now, there's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, the good old BHA. Julie Arrington, if you're listening, if you listen to the bar stewards, make sure you reply to me. I did write I a nice recommend. letter. But I yeah. think uh, the only thing I can think of, they've got enough on their plate at the moment about listening to someone like me banging on. It was just no, a no, suggestion. I just thought it was a good idea. That's all. It works in it France, doesn't it? Speaking as a, I mean, I'm a current owner, I suppose, because mine and mine are both injured. But yeah, the transport costs, I mean, are horrendous for an owner. I, I can remember a story of, of an old owner moaning at Luca Kamani because Luca Kamani charged him £80 from Bedford Lodge to Newmarket. <laughs> yeah, but that was yeah, but if I say to you, Listen, if I say to you, right, I say, listen, we've got a good scheme here. You can join the scheme. You, as an owner, you don't have to join the scheme, okay? But this is the scheme that will keep your costs down. Transport, you're going to get, say, £2,500 for the year to cover your costs. You might spend more than that, than their bit you'd be on, you know, then you have to pay the extra on top. But if every owner owns a full horse, whatever, or a horse in training, Gets, gets that expenditure and then they turn around and say where do we get the money there's money there, there's got to be money out there and it will help the environment and we show the government we'll be going to the government and say look this is what we're trying to do for our environment our carbon yeah. footprint so yeah there you go that, listen, anyway it's it, just it, a suggestion it's just i thought it, it works and, in and france why can't yeah. it work here fantastic one I'd, I'd like to see that i'd like to see that implemented i think i think a lot of owners would i think i think a lot of owners would, would enjoy the cutting transport costs which is obviously a big part of the game in a, in a game and where they it's ever in france they provide a minibus at the major training centers for jockeys so all jockeys have to go in different cars and now they're not dashing across from one meeting to another they sorted out a, a minibus they could all go together or getting done for drunk driving, you know, on the way there. <laughs> we have to go down that road. But no, and, uh, it's just um, an idea of, of trying to help our planet and doing our bit, but, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. Perfect point. Gay, the last time you came on this show, you said to me, I, there's, there's two things, wait, you said it off air, you said there's two things I'd, I, f- I forgot to mention, because you, you said you were waffling on. I was waffling, was, uh, I didn't get you, well, you got a bit of words in edgeways today. <laughs> yeah, you said Pat Edray and Victor Chandler, and and you said it's it, the, the cracking stories. Can you um, finish our show off with tales with Pat Edray and Victor Chandler? Oh, the Victor Chandler thing amuses me every time, and mm. you know I get a lot of grief on social media, reminding me what about your days of Victor? Ch- what days did I have with Victor Chandler? And this is the God's honest truth, right? Years ago, I've been in the game, 32 years. This game. I had a row with a fellow called Ron Dawson and I left Newmarket. We'd backed a horse with my owners. I didn't tell Ron Dawson. I rented the yard of Ron Dawson. He thought he was in the right to know. He was a, quite an arrogant man, not a nice man. Not <laughs> the best landlords I've ever had, but he wasn't a particularly nice guy. I left in on no certain terms and went down to Whitcomb and I was very successful down at Whitcomb. Very, very, my best years ever training in 96, 97, 98. I had some very, very good horses. And I was hugely successful and I was having winners left, right and centre. I was there for four years. 
And during that time, um, my assistant trainer, Joe Crowley, and I were in the office together, and we received a letter from Victor Chandler saying, Gay, I'm offering you um, free bets if you let me know when your horses are going to win. And we were doing so well. We were like, winners every week. We were backing. Why on earth would I want to tell him? And we, and I didn't have, <laughs> I never had a betting count, right? Yeah. yeah. And I said, and we laughed. Joe and I made a joke about it. And we, Joe said, what do you want me to do with it? I said, just tear it and put it in the bin. We should have kept it, actually. So <laughs> we thought nothing of it, right? But unfortunately, prior to that letter being sent down to me in Whitcomb, he had sent, obviously given it to his secretary, and my, it was a year after me just moving to Whitcomb, where I just started being really successful. Ron Dawson was still trading in Newmarket. So clearly the letter originally was sent to my Newmarket address. So what do you think happened? Ron Dawson opened it. Okay. Ah. And Victor Chandra had offered this wonderful deal that I'd get free bets, blah, blah, blah. It was an offer. Okay. And this letter got into that awful guy. What was he? The work, another dog that worked for the VHA. <laughs> Um, Roger, someone or other. Oh, Botham. Roger Botham. You remember him? Yeah. Got the sack from the BHA, didn't he? Yeah, he was useless. He was doing the cases, <laughs> chasing. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Hopeless, hopeless man. He was investigating us, right? He was investigating different, you know, Jimmy Fitzgerald, blah, 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 having this non, what do they call it? A non losing account, right? So yeah. the letter had obviously gone to Ron Dawson, had griped with me. Ron Dawson had clearly has sent the letter to this Roger fella that worked for the BHA. So it was in his hands, right? So unknown to me, uh, Victor Chandler must have sent another letter, or the, his, his secretary realised he balls up or whatever, and sent the letter again to me at Wickham, in which I tore it up and laughed about it. So a couple of years later, this went on, this Roger, horrible, nasty man, like Mr Magoo, <laughs> interviewed me in London Hotel and said, look at this letter. And I thought, hell, I rang Joe, I said, Joe, this letter, didn't we tear it up? What's it doing in the hands of the jockey club? It was the jockey club at the time, not the BHA. Well, it always figures, doesn't it? It must have gone to Ron Dawson first, and he sent it to us. I said, yeah, of course, and I laughed it off. Anyway, thought nothing of it. Another. Then I moved from Whitcomb down to Newmarket. Five years later, I think this was, they did a, a panorama thing on Jimmy Fitzgerald, a couple of other trainers, a jockey, blah, blah, blah. I think Kieran Fallon was one. And, and they turned up one Sunday afternoon. I thank God I looked all right. You know, I was quite smartly dressed. And they came out, jumped, screeched into the yard, jumped out with their cameras with this the, the interview. He says, Gay, can you tell us about your non-losing account with Victor Chandler? And I, I just laughed. It was a joke. So therefore, that's the God's honest truth what happened. I never had a non-losing account with Victor Chandler. I bet on course. Anybody knows me, I bet on course. I don't have accounts. I have an account which has got about 75p in it so I can watch my races when I'm abroad sometimes. But I don't have accounts, betting accounts. So I've never had a betting account. with. Um, I don't recall having a betting account with Victor Chandler at all. So I think the only time I was ever asked by Victor Chandler for my horse win, I said no, and it went a one at 25 to one. So I don't think he was ever going to speak to me again. So there you go. So that's the Victor <laughs> Chandler story. And uh, whoever's listening from social media, that's the God's honest truth. There was not so a betting account. So there you go. What I've so earned you, from yeah. or for, it wasn't from betting. Unfortunately, I'm not that clever when it comes to gambling. <laughs> this is a brilliant story. And, and there you have it, social media fiends out there slagging gay off years ago. There you, there you go. That's and he's still slagging me off because they still remind me when I do well and everybody says, well done, this, this, this little person that was still at still my age or still alive can remember the story and remember the – and you go online, you know, you see – 
panorama gay color. You read it, it'll make you laugh. And that's yeah, yeah. the God's honest truth. You want to go on online about, put the name up and it comes up. It, it's quite funny. So, yeah, and right. the other story you want to know about Pat Edry, Pat Willie Edry, Carson. Yes. I was riding yeah. in the, the Brighton Cup and I got up and beat Willie Carson a short head. And Pat Edry didn't like, he was riding very hard. So he came in and joked with Willie and, and they were giving him so much stick because the girl beat Willie Carson. And Pat Edry says, well, I could have I could have finished second. He said, but I'll let you finish second. I don't want to finish second to her. And that's what the banter used to go on. <laughs> no, but the laugh ended up on me because Willie Carson laughs about it and brings it up because he's quite chauvinistic, Willie, I'm afraid. He brings yeah. it up and says, ha, I had the last laugh because the stewards of the jockey club suddenly decided that as an amateur, an amateur had never turned professional, yeah? You can go back in the archives and read this. An amateur had never turned professional. And in the old days, if you'd ridden 10 winners, you lose your seven pounds as an apprentice. Well, I had yeah. ridden exactly 10 winners as an amateur, okay? But I was claiming seven. It took them eight months to realise, and riding lots of winners, to realise that there was a rule they made up, the jockey club. So they dragged me in and took four races off me. And one of, one of them was the Willie Carson one. But yeah. that's another story. That's how much they didn't want me around. They, there was no rule that said, but there was a tiny little two, uh, uh, rule 254. If you have ridden 10 winners, you can no longer claim seven. So naturally, I was, I'd love to have only been claiming five, you know what I mean? Because I was wasting my guts out. But I'd been claiming seven and they picked the right week. I'd ridden like four decent winners that week and they picked that week to take the races off me. Six months after I'd, I'd ridden with these winners. They had to so, find so, something on me to knock me down. Are you with me? So, yeah. so you had to give your uh, purse back? To, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I lost the races. You know, yeah. it was extremely upsetting, you know, for me, because wait, I, was, I had to lose like seven pounds overnight on one of them. I could gladly, I'd love to. If I'd been doing overweight, there would be a problem, would there? If I'd done two pounds overweight. But they had to find something all every week. You don't understand. Every week, if it wasn't jockeys giving me shit, it was the mm. stewards giving me shit, or my dad giving me aggravation, or an assistant trainer giving me it. I just got it in, in, I got it from both sides, every side. Honestly, it was horrible, horrible. And I got through, but I got through it. But how it made you, person. Yeah, how, how, how are you finding, um, like, your staff these days, like recruiting good staff, et cetera, et cetera? I'm, and every trainer probably says, I'm pretty lucky because my my head girl's been with me 22 years, yeah? Mm-hmm. But she worked for Sonol Molas, okay? And she's still a better rider than most of the young'uns. She's um, 68. I mean, she'd be yeah. at this drown to one or one or two lots now. I, I think I've got to retire her, Sue, from riding. She's a brilliant feeder, and I'm very, very lucky. I've had two very good people, my number, number two. I've had Joe Crowley, who became a successful trainer 10 years, and, I, uh, and I've had Liz Mullen. And yeah. um, she said the game's gone. She said the staff aren't the same, the younger staff. Whether we've got to seriously look at where we would get our staff from, how we're teaching them, they're right becoming jockeys, but they've got to learn the, the basics. Pick your feet out, brush the horse over. How many times I have to tell staff when they join me, put the bridle on, pick your feet out, because no foot, no horse, and if the shoe's moved then, you know, you can't ride it out and you can get on another one. We can get the farrier in. Brush the horse over so he's tidy and, you know, it's like washing yourself and then put your tack on. It's not hard, is it? 
It's like no. doing the same thing every day, but they still find it quite hard. Mm. They don't just don't seem the younger generation don't seem to have the work ethic as we did. And it's only the last five years it's got quite poor. And there's, you know, I think everywhere in jobs, they're finding staff hard to recruit. But I always believe that racing should be valued as a skilled job. And the only way it's going to be as a skilled job for staff is having more wages because they don't get paid particularly very well. I mean, I do my best to pay them what I can without going bankrupt. It should be regarded as a skilled job. Since we're not riding horses, dangerous horses every day, early hours of the morning, not a skilled job. But it only can be regarded as a skilled job if we can get the prize money, can pay them more, because that's the only way trainers, unless you're born with a silver spoon and you're funding your business, because that's what's happening, these big trainers, they can't survive, they're funding the businesses. Take the Arabs away, will the owners be able to pay normal owners be able to pay Arab prices, they can't. But they would be able to if they got a return on the purses, better than prize money. And it's a con effect, really. And that's why we're getting a, a poorer applications for coming into racing. If we regard yeah. it as a skilled job, it would be a different matter at all. I'm always one man down, but I'm lucky enough to have got a nice young lad in, in the game that I'm teaching. And I've got another young girl I'm teaching. And I like to think I can teach them myself than going to the racing school. They do eventually go to the racing school. But I don't want them learning bad habits. I want to teach them from scratch how I started and know how I started and then so forth. And if they've really got the fire in their belly, they make jockeys and they really want to do it. Otherwise, there's other jobs, traveling head lad jobs. There's a head lad jobs, second head lads, work riders, uh, professional grooms, traveling. You know, there's, there's lots of jobs in racing, but I still think we sh- it should be regarded as a skilled job. That's my opinion. Yep. What, one one final question, Gay, uh, and it's, it's it's an important one for me because I'd love to hear your view on this. What can we do, everyone in racing that's involved in the sport, to stop the outsiders, if you like, dumbing down on racing and trying to get it banned and trying and saying this is cruel, that's cruel? What is is there anything more we can actually do, or are we doing all we can do? I think we're doing a lot of good. I think what I see in other countries, we treat we we love our horses, you know. Basically, yeah. overall. We love racehorses. Majority, the the major majority of, of of trainers, owners love their horses. Okay. The only thing I would do is look at the horse sales a bit more, where these horses are going at, at the lower end of the scale. I mean, yeah. I personally, if I have a cheap horse, I say to the owners, look, don't pay the five hundred pounds to enter it in the horse sales. Find it a nice home. It's a lovely ride. And they do that. And I'm blessed with owners that are happy for me to rehome them. And I've rehomed over 20. Cosmelli being one of them, one of my great horses that went up in at Newcastle, the Fumbling Pate yeah. meeting. Great horse. He's got a wonderful home in Wales. And so forth for the rest of them. Bearer, another good old horse. I could have sent them to the sales and the owners would have got diddly squat and probably horse would be dead by now because going to some of these countries, you know, God only knows why they, where they end up. I think yeah. we've got to look at the horse sales a bit more. We've got to be a bit tougher when, where these horses are going but apart from that i think the horses are very well looked after overall in racing in in, in england i mean the french are so behind on that to us just started having um my french trainer she was calling me and said can you find a home for this horse i can't find one for in france so that, that's how different we are we're very yeah. lucky that way yeah and racing yeah, horse welfare is so important to me and yvette, yeah. yvette dixon is fighting for horse welfare she's another one she want to get on the show because um she's very passionate about that yeah, speaking as an owner as well, I can also share that sentiment that it is an owner's responsibility at the end of a, of a horse's career to know where that horse 
ends up and and basically do the best you can for the future well-being of that horse and and that's that's always been my stance whether i i go to the sales or whether i always find a home if i don't go to the sales so and i think a majority of owners are like that i really do believe that uh english owners i speak for english owners myself i I know they're like they treat their horses with passion and they love them you know so and they've been a good servant to them and i think if a horse has been a good servant I do believe they deserve a good home. I can sleep at night. I know my horses have got lovely homes that, you know, that have been very good to me and put me where I am today. Absolutely. A great way to finish. Gay, as always, like your last visit for us, um, tremendous. And this this one, no less. Uh, thank you very much for your time and um, coming to speak to us. And no doubt we'll get some good viewing and listening numbers on this one because, of course, it's quality content. So thank you very much, Gay Kellaway. Thanks, That's guys. Thanks, John. Yeah, th- thank you. Thanks, Gay. Thanks, Gay. Thank, thank you. Take care. No, massive thanks to Gay there, John, and it's such a pleasure having such a distinguished guest on the show from the normal riffraff that, that, that we can muster between us. I hope you enjoyed that like I did. It's a pleasure sometimes just to listen. I always think, I always got told by uh, by my granddad when I was little, if you spend more time listening instead of waffling on, you'll learn a lot more. So I enjoyed that. I hope you did as well, John. If everybody in racing was as forthright with their opinions of Gay Kellaway, the sport would be in a lot better shape. Exactly. And the old backbone and bollocks thing comes to mind when we talk about jockeys in this court case, as as we've we've been over. If just a few of them had had bigger bollocks to nip this in the bud before it escalated with the Brownie Frost case, and if Jim Crowley had had bigger bollocks, not to say in a courtroom for five years later or whatever down the line have the bollocks to go in that to a senior steward and say he shouldn't be riding pull him over thinks that he stinks of beer then old ty licky old ironside would be walking exactly as i mentioned the guilty of care thing that they were trying to level at graham gibbon should be leveled absolutely full square at the bha over this it's a simple fix they do away with stipendiary stewards who were all mates of jockeys and it's all far too cozy and they install weighing room managers, and that's yeah. all they would need to do. The weighing room manager basically just manages the weighing room, and if there's a problem, you go and see them. It's not a difficult problem to fix, but they will make it a difficult problem to fix because, as we've seen time and time again, they're not fit for purpose. Now, th- this subject will go on and on in chat rooms and etc., etc. and reading an article this week, from the ground star of all places, obviously our sport, but Paul Carpenter, the GBGB director representing ground owners, has resigned his position on the board. Absolutely infuriated by the situation, ground racing, where he described it. It's a great, great article. You can see for yourself on groundstar.co.uk. And if anyone wants the link, just message us on Twitter. It's a great letter from Paul Carpenter displaying the difficulty he had in getting any change of benefit to the sport. And it was basically, unless it represented the interests of Entain, who obviously represent all the big bookmaker groups, Labbrooks, Coral, God knows what else, big, big concern, and ARC, if it didn't represent their interests, he couldn't get anything done. He couldn't get any improvements to to anything. And and do you know what, John? Lydia Islop first alerted me to this article. And why it rang alarm bells, big alarm bells for me, is because I, I genuinely see a very similar situation for our sport. Because it just seems to me, whoever takes over at the BHA, 
and has done for years, ever since I was, you know, in my me, in me short trousers. It seems getting anything done with regards to improving the sport, it's like an impossible task. Now, what obstacles are entertaining ARC and other bookmaking, large bookmaking concerns? Do you think they're putting in the way? Because it can't all be about them. Surely they know if they run it how they want to run it, it will increase profits, but it will decimate the sport just like it has ground racing, John. I don't think we care. To be honest, I think we're looking no further than next year's balance sheet. And the problem is here that everything you see on every racing-related website, be it the BHA, the Jockey Club or the Horseman's Group, they're trying to do everything by consensus. And it clearly doesn't work. Somebody needs to come in here already sporting a gum shield, ready for action, because to get this game into shape and get it properly into the 21st century that we're almost a quarter of the way through by now, and we're still nowhere near actually being in that century as regards racing, we need somebody to get down and get dirty with these people. It's no good if you are having negotiations and you're requiring a Rottweiler and you send a fucking Andrex puppy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I respect Paul Carpenter for what he wrote. I think it was a, a great letter. I urge everyone mm. to read it. I've respect for Paul Carpenter on that. However, surely Paul Carpenter should be writing letters like this to the ground style while he's there and calling these people out while he's there and he can do more good. Not just chucking the towel in and saying this is a waste of time. The, the way you get big corporations to play ball is to, is to keep biting at their ankles and keep biting at their ankles until you annoy them that much that eventually you might get somewhere. Well, you know, I mean, t- you, you can stop Ark overnight. You, you just tell Ark that unless they tore the line, they no longer race on the rails. Immediately they become flapping tracks. Ark are not the problem. The BHA's lack of backbone and self-awareness is the problem. Ark can stamp the feet all they want. You remove their right to race on the rails. Ark are ourselves. End yeah. of. They need telling that. They need telling. They don't need somebody going there and giving them a good listening to. They need telling. Like the rest of the courses need telling. The racing game needs to get itself into shape for the new century. Absolutely. Again, bollocks and backburn. Bollocks and backburn. Sounds like a borrowed. Well, we've already had so. Robbie Dunn's bollocks discussed, haven't we? In great <laughs> so. I'm going to say he's, he's put them out on display, and he in front of poor Bryony. Whatever she's had to see there, I don't know. But but yeah, it's it's definitely a problem for, for racing going forwards. Reading that that ground letter because obviously they are directly linked. There is a correlation between oh, the yeah. two. I think we can see what's going off behind the scenes there with the BHA and uh, like I say, bollocks and back. Right, just, just to finish the show off then, John, we did promise a John run and I can promise you, I can, I can speak for John now and say that he's absolutely busted. He sat on a mountain of blust, but because we had Gay brilliantly making the show for us, it's going to wait a week. So sorry about that. We're going to leave you John festering for another week so he's even <laughs> angry. So, so it's like an ogre. So, yeah, if you're expecting a John rant this week, sorry, but we did get gay in the last minute and we're not going to refuse Gay Kellaway because she is so forthright with her opinions and we like that here on The Bar Stewards. Just two races I want to look at, John, from Saturday, just so we can give the viewers a little bit of taster of, of what we thought. So the two big races at Sandown, especially, that was the Henry VIII won by Edward Stone. Third time lucky doing what? I think most of us thought was was going to happen. He didn't jump as well as he can, but 
again, his sort of response under pressure wasn't great. He certainly emptied today, John. He, look, he looks like a man and a half sort of offensive, doesn't he? Really? <laughs> <laughs> He'd win one or two, and you'd think, geez, it's, it's quite an yeah. impressive sight. And I'm not knocking the horse. I just, I genuinely think that he's an ex- he's an exciting chaser to watch at times. But it's no good if at the business end you're just gonna you've got you've got he, no. He's gonna be one of these where. No matter how well you're going in the middle of the race, you're going to be shitting yourself, aren't you? Because yeah. you, you're never going to think, think he's going to run through the land, really. I, I've kind of put a line through him, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of Kempton or nothing, isn't it, really? Absolutely. If, if that, as he takes on better horses, he's going to have to go quicker and quicker early on. And I, I, I just don't fancy the arse now. No, Edward Stone, very impressive. Tipped up by Quentin Franks and myself. Not much joy for any of us these days, so I might make the most of that. Quentin Franks and the fantastic days. Tipping only exclusively at the bar stewards is Quentin Franks, unless he gets big money offers from elsewhere, then he'll uh, do a runner. Uh, he's he's going to start tipping in the match programme at Newcastle United. <laughs> Quality. The lad is on fire, and I welcome it. And I hope he's lining everyone's pocket. We, me and John joked off air. We said we might as well leave Quentin to the Friday show. He can just introduce himself, do a ten-minute spin. We'll and get then, Les uh, Dennis to do it and just introduce <laughs> Quentin. <laughs> We'll just have a take away or something. So that's it. That's the future of the bar stewards. Right, we're going to the Tingle Creek. Shakan poor, poor Swaff. It, uh, didn't uh, he, he got back very well bet in running early. They were taking they couldn't wait to take the two to one on after after he'd been given the, the red carpet from the other other four. You're thinking, well, this Shaq and Poor Swaff's gotta just pop over him and that's that. But I'm afraid the horse was beaten forty lengths, John. You think he gets airsy? Well, I mean, that's certainly open to question because obviously the visits he's had to these shows aren't the best. Could be that. Could be just he's uh, he likes his backyard and that's I it. I don't, and he, I don't think we'll see him here again, to be honest. No, I'd be surprised. I'd be amazed. Well, you, you, you can't really, can you? You might chance Cheltenham one more time just to see, but I, I don't know. I think you just save the point. It's isn't it? That, that race has just turned everything on its ass, really, hasn't it? <laughs> The only thing that was probably as expected there was Blackmore coming third. Yeah. Who was it that highlighted on Friday's show? Blackmore coming for one. And yes. uh, it certainly ran very, very well. The thing is, Hitman run above his station because he jumped, apart from the mistake, two out, he jumped really yeah. well. Yeah. Up to that point. So Hitman for me ran his race. Thought Captain Guinness's run was definitely slightly above par. So it did, it ran well. Grian team made a howler at the top of the hill down the back. And I thought that was green team done after the absolute howler. I thought, mm. uh, I think the racing purse said pecked on landing. I thought it was more like smash through the fence. Kind of anyway. pecked on takeoff, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was a very momentum losing error. But nevertheless, it got into the race lovely and, and powered up the hill. And I, I've, I've just got this feeling about green team, though, before anyone gets excited. I did say on the pod, I thought he was in for his best year this year. But I also got this feeling, I wonder if he's like, really good at Sandown because two runs at Sandown now and he's he's been most impressed. In fact, no, he's a three run, sorry, against Politolog back in his career. I felt that the last two runs at Sandown being very impressive, but he's not been that impressive elsewhere. So I just wondered if he just enjoyed the fences at Sandown. Maybe this, the two best performances of his career have come here. So I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe like running around the pond fence. And... <laughs> right. We're going to wrap it up there. We've had a fabulous chat. Me, John, Gay Kellaway, who is always welcome on the show. 
and I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back on Friday, and uh, we do our best to line your line your pockets of gold. As I said in the preview last week, me and John take it out of the left pocket, whilst Quentin puts it back in the right. That's all from me and John. Have a great week. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.